0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Buffalo, New York, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling, with numbers specific to Buffalo, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Buffalo. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and today I got a really cool class. So, yesterday we went over the new loan comparison spreadsheet, which allows you to call up your lender, get the current mortgage interest rates for a variety of loan products, and then see the difference in monthly payment, which is really going to be the difference in how much cash flow you have if you're using them to analyze the same property. And then you could use that in order to make a decision about which loan to get and how much better that one is than another loan. And so the next thing that occurs to a lot of folks is, well, how do you actually compare and see what the difference is between one loan product and another loan product? And the most common version of that question that I personally get is, should I put 15% down or should I put 20% down when buying a rental property? And the reason I think this one comes up the most is a lot of folks believe that minimizing the amount of money you have investing in the deal is the optimal strategy, that that is going to be the best way for you to approach investing in real estate and that you should minimize how much you have in a deal every single time you buy a deal. And I'm here to tell you that there may be times, there may be some situations where That is not the best thing for you to do. And I I hope to explain that to you here today in this particular class. This class is gonna be a really short class about the question, should I put 15% down or should I put 20% down when buying a rental property? And I will also warn you that you cannot just use my numbers. You need to call up your lender and get the exact mortgage interest rates for these different loan programs so that you can compare them side-by-side yourself with the actual numbers for that day because they're going to vary. And sometimes it may not be this extreme. Sometimes it may be much more extreme than what I'm about to show you. But let's get started, look at this. So first thing is call your lender, get the rates, fill in this form. It's a visual on the screen here of the form that I went over in detail yesterday. So go ahead and uh, call your lender in order to get those. Uh, as I mentioned, your numbers will undoubtedly be different than what I'm showing you. You cannot just assume that oh, James did the math for me once. Therefore, that is the math all the time. You need to do your math. This number does change over time. So really what we're doing is, you remember this shows you all the different government loan programs, the conventional owner-occupant loan programs. These are primarily for people doing like house hacking or nomad strategy where you're moving into the property. And then this kind of like greener section here is all the conventional investment property loans. And we've got 15% down, with PMI, and then 20%, 25%, 30%, and 40% to show you. Today, I'm going to be focused in on this 15% to 20% kind of section. So this shows you the kind of like difference in monthly payments for the various loan programs uh, for the investor loans only. And so you can see that the investor loan, where you put only 15% down, is significantly higher than the next loan program, which is the 20% down. In fact, if you just look at the difference in size of the drop here, you can see that the difference in size of the drop between going from 15% to 25% is way larger than the drop from 20% to 25%. And you might be thinking to yourself, wow, that's a really significant difference between going from 15 to 20 and 20 to 25. And yes, that is pretty common because part of the problem is that when you get a 15% down loan, you also have private mortgage insurance. Not only does the interest rate change, not only are you borrowing less, you're going from borrowing 85% uh, to borrowing only 80%, but in addition to that, you have private mortgage insurance, which is insurance that you pay to the lender to protect them in case you default. The lender's basically saying this, look, I would really prefer if you put 20% down if you got a loan. And you're like, but I don't want to put 20% down. They're like, okay, I'll tell you what. I'm willing to work with you on this. However, my concern is if for some reason something happens to you or something happens to the property and you stop paying on this mortgage, I might actually lose money or not be able to get all of my money back if I have to wait a few months for you to... You know, determine that you're not paying, then start foreclosure proceedings, hire an attorney, and maybe your tenant's not taking care of the property. And maybe I need to do a little bit of work on the property once I get it back. And then I need to go sell the property and I need to pay a real estate agent, you know, four, five, six, seven, eight percent in order to have them market the property and get the thing sold. And I have some holding costs while I'm waiting to do the foreclosure and then also to. Um, you know, uh, foreclose on the property and get the property back and then do the fix up I need to do in order to get the property ready to sell. And then the time period when I'm got the property marketed and the time it takes the, the property to sell. So I've got a lot of time and money and effort kind of tied up into this deal. And I want to make sure that I will get all of my money back in case you default and you stop paying on your mortgage and I need to foreclose. So I'll tell you what I'm willing to do. If you were to put 20% down, I feel as though that's a big enough cushion where I'm very likely if all this stuff goes to poop and I need to foreclose with you that I will get my money back. This possibility I will, I'll lose some money, but the chances are pretty good that I will get my money back. However, if you wanna only put 15% down, this is what we'll do. If you go pay this third party insurance company that will insure me in case you default And they will make up the difference. They'll make me whole for that amount that I'm short. Then I will actually make you the loan with you putting 15% down. And so they say, you pay this third-party insurance company. You're paying them. You're going to pay them a fee to protect me. And that's what PMI is. If you put 20% down, you don't have private mortgage insurance, PMI. If you put less than 20% down, the lender's like, hey, look, I'm willing to make you this higher risk loan but I want you to protect me in the process, okay? And so that's one of the things that's going on here. Let's look at the payment difference. I've just zoomed in on that loan comparison spreadsheet, and I'm just looking at the 15% down and the 20% column. It tells you the amount you put down, the amount of the loan that you're getting, the difference between those two. Um, There's also a note here about how many points there were. When I called up, there were actually points to get these rates. But here is the actual interest rate difference. So the interest rate difference between 15 and 20, the day that I called, which is not normal, I think that usually it's a little bit larger than this, but the day I called was only one eighth of a point difference, which you may see it to be an eighth of a point. You may see it to be the same. You may see it to be more than an eighth of a point. In addition to that, there's also PMI on this 15% down low, which is what we just talked about. So the overall effective interest rate difference is 722 Versus 6.625. And again, when you call your lender, these will be different for you. You cannot use my numbers. All right. What that means though is when you borrow this amount, the two different amounts that they're borrowing, one that's 15% down, one is 20% down, the difference in the monthly payment here is right here shown. So um, 2481, 2305. um, Basically, the difference here between those two uh, shows you the number here. And so, 50% down versus 20% down payment. The difference in cash flow between 15% down and 20% down is $326 a month. That's a big difference. It's a difference between that $3,062 and $2,736. $326 difference. So if you annualize that, multiply it by 12, you get $3,912 per year. So you'd get $3,912 more per year for putting 5% more of the purchase price down. Remember, it's not just that you're borrowing less, but it's also, it is that you're borrowing less. It's not just that, but it's also you have a lower interest rate and you no longer have PMI. So for the extra $22,500, which is 5% of the purchase price in this case, that you put down, you earn $3,912 per year more which is a 17.39% return on the extra down payment. Now technically, you'd save a little bit more on closing costs because you know your closing costs on a loan that's smaller is a little bit lower, but we're not taking that into account. It's relatively small. Also because you put more down, your estimated return on investment from appreciation and debt pay down and your depreciation would be lower. You'd be less leveraged if you did this. So you got to take that into account too. But if you're really concerned about this cash flow number, Realize that the return you're getting on that extra amount you put down, that $22,500 more is about 17.39%. And that's like a cash on cash return on investment. That's the return you're getting in extra cash flow on that property. So are there a lot of other places where you could go, where you could get an extra 17.39% cash flow return on your money? Yeah, sure. If you buy a rental property, typically it's more than 17%. But part of that is like deferred return. It's like your cash later return, your appreciation and your debt pay down return. This is really all about cash now. It's money in your hand from cash flow. So 17.39%. Not a lot of places that I know of where you can get that, especially on a lump sum of money of this size. So in conclusion, it's not just about borrowing less. Putting more down tends to also improve your interest rate and eliminates PMI. You can determine the difference in payments to estimate the difference in cash flow, since the income is going to be the same if you're analyzing the same property. Then you divide that difference in annual cash flow by any extra you had to put down to estimate the extra return in cash flow that you're earning on that extra down payment. And then you got to ask yourself can I earn that return or better somewhere else? with similar risk characteristics, okay? So the idea is do this calculation yourself and decide whether it is worthwhile for you to put this extra money down. And yours may not be 7%, 17%. In fact, it's very likely to not be 17%. Yours may be more in the line of, you know, if I get a 5% return or a 10% return. Some cases it might be a lot more, maybe 20% return, but you got to decide, Hey, look, you know, maybe I'm not willing to put this extra down in order to get just the 5% cash on cash return on that extra money. Maybe that's not worth it for you, or maybe it is worth it for you, or maybe 10% is worth it. So you got to decide where your cutoff is. And part of, part of the decision, at least for me would be what else could I do with this money to get that type of. Cash on cash return over that time period. Okay. That's all I got for you. Hope you enjoyed this very short mini class on whether you should put 25% or 20, 15% or 20% down. I will also tell you that this is a common question. The next most common question is 20 to 25. And I think most people don't even ask me about that one. I have to show them why it's advantageous for them to sometimes go from 20 to 25 because the interest rate bump between those two is usually pretty significant. So same thing applies though if you're thinking about 20 or 25% is you run the math and say, this is what my payment is at 20. This is what it is at 25%. This is how much extra I had to put down and figure out what the difference is, figure out what the return is on that extra 5% down to see if it's worthwhile for you. That's all I got for you. This has been James Orr. Have a great day. Bye-bye, everybody. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. Cash flow on rental properties in Buffalo is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent,